State. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side. JD's put out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Thursday night, Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time with us tonight. Hope you had a good day today. Josh had it in the ticker. We're going to start with this Wisconsin story, Ben, where Barry Alvarez is going to drop the the boom on their spring sports. Now, remember, Wisconsin does not field a baseball team. This might make their decision a little easier. So it would affect for them track and field. Uh, it would affect softball. I don't know if they have lacrosse or field hockey, but he came out today and said that they are not going to extend the waiver. He said Wisconsin Athletics places tremendous emphasis on its student-athletes earning an undergraduate degree and having a great competitive experience. In the case of the UW Spring student-athletes to which the NCAA's waiver would apply, a substantial percentage of the student-athletes are scheduled to earn their degrees before next spring. In spite of today's uncertainties, we will do everything possible to support our student-athletes as they work toward those degrees. The athletic department, though, has made the decision to not pursue waivers that would extend the eligibility of our senior student-athletes. Student-athletes in their fourth year of eligibility have concluded their careers with us. This group of student-athletes has our full support up to, including, and beyond graduation. They are badgers for life, and we are greatly appreciative of their way they have represented our department and the university. He had a radio show where he just said, this this creates a lot of problems. It's more complicated than as far as numbers. You've got another group coming in. You've got a group of freshmen coming in. Do you want this group coming back? How does that all affect roster size? There's a financial burden that goes along with this as well. Um, in the story that ESPN has up, Ben, they quote, Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta that says that they are weighing similar difficult decisions, that they have about 25 to 35 spring sports seniors who would like to return. He said resulting in scholarship costs of up to a half a million dollars. So he said we're still working through it, but Alvarez says for his 35 seniors in spring sports, their careers are over. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, certainly interesting. And, uh, you know, having talked to a few of of our spring athletes, uh, just kind of about their situation and, and ultimately what's going to be the deciding factor. And, and this all comes with that domino effect. You know, we heard from Jay Billis uh, last week on the show just about um, some of the other decisions that are made from this. And, you know, it's it's not as easy as just saying, okay, we feel sorry for you that your year's cut short. Here's a year back. Um, finances get in the way, recruiting classes get in the way, incoming freshmen get in the way, roster size get in the way. Uh, there are a lot of other factors to this that are um, that that need to be taken into account. And I, look, as 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 unfair as it is, I, I mean, I think I I think the institution should be allowed their decision. I I, I truly do. I think. Um, to just throw a blanket over over every institution, uh, no matter of uh, financial status, location, conference affiliation, all that thing, all that stuff would be just unfair, because how it affects Nebraska uh, isn't going to be the same as how it affects Alabama or Clemson or San Jose State or Miami of Ohio. Uh, it's going to affect every school differently. So I think. Um, you know, to those smaller athletic departments who would really be put in a bind, they should be able to make that decision themselves. Now, that being said, I really hope um, the majority of them allow the student athletes at least their their choice to come back or not, um, and and give them that opportunity. But you know, as as crazy as it sounds, I think it's the right the right move to leave it up to the schools. And you know, this is just one instance to where it's not going to fall by way of the athlete. Teddy Greenstein, who's on the program tonight, has a quote from Northwestern AD Jim Phillips saying, we are supporting all of our seniors in our spring sports that would like to come back. Some have already committed to jobs, graduate programs, et cetera. That, of course, is their choice. 
Nebraska in the Journal Star has a story up with some reaction from the Wisconsin situation where Nebraska is saying that they're working with their head coaches of the sports that are affected by this and will be making decisions. And so it could be a case-by-case instance. And I think that, you know, not every senior athlete in baseball or softball or track and field in Nebraska is going to want to come back. They may have, like what Jim Phillips said there for Northwestern, they may have jobs lined up. They may have internships lined up. Um, Case in point is Robbie Palkert, who was on the baseball team a year ago. He could have come back and played for Will Bolt this year, and Will Bolt wanted Robbie Palkert back. Um, but Robbie had a job offer and just said, you know, I've graduated. I've got a job offer. I'm, I'm kind of ready to move on to that phase of my life. So in some cases, I think it's going to be a per, it's going to be an individual choice. But I also think you need input from the Ron Ravels and the Will Bolts and the Gary Peppins on, on what to do with this. Yeah, definitely. And again, every single case is going to be different. I think even a sport by sport basis within the university is is going to be different and uh i understand the need to have the conversations with the head coaches and you know as you mentioned you know in robbie's case there are a lot of former huskers that have had similar um things that uh that have had happen with with jobs and uh you know dedications elsewhere once their playing career was over and i think for them that decision is going to be easy on what to do but you know i look at this and um you know obviously for us husker baseball is going to be the first thing on our mind because that's the spring sport that affects you and i the most uh and i you know i just even just looking at on that area you know there are guys on the team that have different um things going on in their personal lives and there are there are guys on the team that would you know play eight years in college if if they were able to and there are other guys that are probably about ready to to call it a career just just to to move on to something different and you know as we heard from joe acker um about this you know last week a lot of this too is not just the athletic side but it's the academic side and the financial aid because you know in baseball's case 11.7 doesn't go too far uh to keep everybody eligible on the roster for scholarships so uh, you know, you think about how many players need help financially through the academic side, too. we got to wait to find out, you know, how that comes into play because if that doesn't fit in with this, you know, athletically, even given the opportunity to come back, uh, a lot of these out-of-state players won't won't be able to afford, you know, all the college debt and, you know, we will just decide to move on, which is too bad because at that point you don't, you don't think they're going to be able to finish their careers. Right. Continuing on with Mark Schlebaugh's report on ESPN.com, some pretty telling quotes from Barry Alvarez. He says, we just don't know what the future is. We don't know what's going to happen this fall. Wisconsin has projected a revenue shortfall of more than $4 million because of the cancellation of the NCAA basketball tournaments. Last month, the NCAA Board of Governors voted unanimously to distribute $225 million. That's about half of what they have done in the past because they lost the basketball tournament, the wrestling championships, some other spring sports, obviously the College World Series. So the NCAA's payout to its member schools going to go down. Schools' budgets going to go down. They're trying to trim money to find this all out. And with the uncertainty of the college football season looming like a dark, dark cloud over the head of everybody that's involved with collegiate sports, including those of us here at the network, uh, I mean, it, it certainly adds to the the inability, I think, to make commitments to student athletes that participated in those spring sports. So it's it's not an easy decision. It's not an easy thing for anybody in the athletic administrations in any of these schools to be dealing with right now. So I don't I don't want people to just kind of shoot arrows. And I think this afternoon a lot of arrows are being shot at Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin, which I'm not a big fan of Wisconsin, so I'm not that I care that much, but. I do understand the plight that he is in because money's not coming in in some revenue forms that athletic directors across the country have been expecting for it to come in. Yeah, and again, we're not going to know the particulars on this until there is a decision made on football because, uh, I mean, if we're being honest, a large chunk of all athletic department dollars come from football that cover a lot of other sports at the university. So, you know, if that shoe drops (laughs) – Wisconsin's going to be far from the only one. 
um, you know, to, to try and put in perspective what it would be like to function uh, with costs you got to figure out how you're going to make a season work. <laughs> I mean, just, just in general and, and the eligibility factor takes, I mean, it's not even in the back seat. It's in the bed of the truck of, mm-hmm. of, of other issues that are going to come, come up if there are no football, there is no football. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's, we'll cr- a lot of, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, I think for right now we're kind of just stuck and in a, in a standstill, but you are starting to see schools make decisions and you know at least the ncaa um you know spoke out on this when they did because it's giving some schools time to think about what could be the best decision and you know at least leaving that door open in case something else crazy were to happen well that was the bombshell story of the day as it relates to particularly college sports that came out of wisconsin today and mark schlebaugh's got a great piece i I recommend you go read it up on espn.com as he does have quotes from gary barta the athletic director at iowa and the local media starting to jump on this and getting reaction from nebraska about this as well also want to talk a little bit about the transfer portal in basketball we've touched on this a few times over the last few weeks really puzzled at some names that you see pop up you think about you know, Nebraska certainly going through a major transition with their basketball roster for Coach Hoiberg, uh, but you expect that to a certain degree with a first-year head coach and a program that did not have much success on the court, knowing you needed better players out there to, to get better than 7-25 and 25 with what is what the Huskers posted this year. But then you look at a guy like Matt Harms, Ben, the big 7-foot, 2-inch young man that has played at Purdue, it seems like, for 10 years. He's going to take advantage of the graduate transfer rule and leave Purdue. Now that one surprises you. He's had a pretty nice career with the Boilermakers. They had a heck of a run a year ago with Carson Edwards leading the charge for them. Uh, and so here's a guy that he, he's going to take his ball and go somewhere else and play next year. Michigan had a pretty good year under Juwan Howard. Two players in the last three days have said that they're going to be leaving that program, including DeJulius, who was a pretty good guard for them this past year. What do you make, make of, of good sound programs like Purdue and Michigan having guys exit as well? Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, I th- feel like it's the cop-out answer, but I, I feel like everything's a case-by-case basis. You know, you look at the case of Harms, right? He comes from, I believe it's the Netherlands, uh, mm-hmm. to come over to play – basketball in the united states and he teamed up really well with isaac haas and never really seemed to get it going when the other seven footer left i mean he had i feel like when the intention came solely on him he had a hard time becoming just that dominant player so he's going to be flipping his hair with the new team um next winter i'll be interested to find out where he goes and and what he's looking for in a program and and michigan you know again it could be just um, it could be any number of things after a first-year coach. You know, as we found out here at Nebraska, just with the three or four departures that we've had, every one seems to be uh, a little bit of a of a different reason. So, you know, I think in the you know in the big scope, you you take each case individually. Um, but again, this is something that's not going to go away. How about the the Duke transfer that went to Creighton? Yeah. I mean, there are right. guys that are moving teams that are solid players and as nebraska has found out with mcgowan's and you know some some other guys there there are former top 100 players isaac copeland go back to isaac copeland and walter pitchford you know high level recruits anton gill was a five star you know you've got guys that um that were really highly thought of that are just looking for something else in a college and being around greg and and talking to athletes that have transferred into nebraska from other places the amount of reasons that I've been given from players of why they, they left where they're at, there's no limit to them. I've, I've heard about every single one there is to hear, whether it's a basketball player, football player, baseball player, whatever. Um, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why players end up deciding to leave. All right. Well, those are some of the main headlines that we're going to tackle here on the program throughout the night tonight. Coming up here in just a couple of minutes, our own Steve Tater, the former two-time All-American quarterback for the Big Red going to join us. We're going to get an update on how he's doing and also just preview what we're going to have here tomorrow night in our greatest games. We're going to have that shootout in 1988 between Nebraska and Oklahoma State. It was a top 10 duel 
at Memorial Stadium, won by the Huskers. Oklahoma State was Mike Gundy. The mullet was their quarterback. Barry Sanders was one of their running backs. Hartley Dykes, a tremendous wide receiver, was on that Cowboy team. They were ranked 10th. The Huskers were ranked 7th. It really wasn't all that close of a game, to be honest with you. Nebraska scored 35 unanswered points in the first quarter, but we're going to go down memory lane with Steve and think, see what he remembers about that game. He had an excellent football game that day for the Cornhuskers, but that it will be our greatest game brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery tomorrow night. We'll come back and chat with Steve next. Greg Sharp back with you here on a Thursday night of Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. So glad you joined us here tonight. And we're joined now by one of our favorites, two-time All-American quarterback Steve Taylor. How are you, my friend? You healthy? Everybody good in your house? Yes, everyone is uh, safe. Everyone's healthy. We're all uh, practicing social distancing a little bit and a little bit further than that. Uh, excluding golf, I'm just trying to sneak that in there still. But uh, my girls are back at home, <laughs> so uh, more things change and more things stay the same. Sharp, this is what you have to look forward to. You, you raise them, you send them off to college, get them a job, and have them come back and live with you. Yeah. Oh, that's good though. You're getting a little extra bonus time with your daughters. That's a good thing. Yes, yes, indeed. No, it's been good. Family dinner every night, so no, it's been it's been a good time. We're making the most of it. Well, yeah. one, just to get caught up with you a little bit, we also wanted to go down memory lane with you. We've been playing on Friday night some of these great Husker games, and tomorrow night we're going to play the 1988 clash between the Huskers and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. You were the quarterback that day for the Big Red. Lincoln loves big games, right? And that was going to be a big one, two top ten teams. Do you remember much about the week? Yeah, I do. It was, uh, it was a fascinating week, and, you know, unfortunately – that game gets overshadowed or overlooked, you know, and it was, it was, it was just a great game. I mean, uh, you had Barry Sanders, you had uh, Hartley Dietz, you had Gundy, you had myself, you had Broderick Thomas, you had Barry. I mean, it was, it was a great stage for college football and they were at their peak and everything. And, and we were there too. So uh, it was homecoming week, I think it was. And um, I was in the, the Heisman conversation. Obviously Barry Sanders was in the Heisman conversation and, ESPN called and wanted to carry the game, but University of Nebraska and Coach Osborne thought we had too much money and didn't want to disrupt the homecoming game or event, so they, they, didn't, they didn't move the game to accommodate ESPN, and it was a fabulous game. So, uh, no, it was, it was, it's, one of those, it's one of those great games that often gets, gets overshadowed, overlooked. What a start. 35 nothing after the first quarter. What was, what, the sidelines had to be going crazy during that first quarter. You know, it was. Uh, I mean, it, things couldn't have gone better for us. You know, uh, like I said, Oklahoma State, where they, they were scoring a bunch of points, and Barry Sanders was rushing for 200 yards before every game, and, and uh, they were primed to, to come in and, and upset, ups, upset us, you know. And uh, all we heard about was their offense. So we knew offensively we were going to have to produce. We knew that. And, uh, and we came right out the guns. Ken Clark had an excellent game, and you know, I had an excellent game myself, you know, but uh, the way it started and the way he ran, it was it was a phenomenal day. Yeah. You sure you sure did. Ken Clark had a 73-yard run to start the scoring, and then they drove down the field. They were in the red zone. Uh, it was Charles Fryer had a big pick six where he took it back 86 yes. yards. All of a sudden, you're up 14 nothing. Oh, Peanut. Oh, Peanut. I'm saying for a guy that was like <laughs> four feet tall, I mean, that was his nickname, Peanut, he came up with big plays. You know, he intercepted a pass the year before that in the end zone in Stillwater, and he was covering like a six-five, six-six receiver, and uh, he picked that off in the end zone the year before that in Stillwater when we beat him thirty-five to nothing when they had another Heisman contender. You know who that was? Great number thirty-four. So, uh, and then for him to do what he did the, the following year was just it was unbelievable. The black shirt showed up and did what they had to do. Although you know Barry Sanders still rushed for nearly one hundred ninety something yards. But uh, it, was, it was a tremendous day. You had five touchdowns. You scored two of them in the first quarter. You had a 60-yard run and a 43-yard run. That just must have been one of those days where you just felt like you were all clicking. You know, we were. And, uh, you know, it just we were, we, were, we were functioning very well. Kenny Clark was having a great year. I was having a great year. Uh, you know, we had it – was, it, was, it was phenomenal. It, it really was. And I was just thankful that it happened. And it, and it happened at home. So – um, you know, it was it was one of those games that things just kind of fell into place. I even had an opportunity. I think I may have had a another run else for a touchdown or through a pass or something, but I had just slightly stepped out of bounds, you know, and they called it back. But uh, yeah, it was it was a phenomenal day. It was 
you know, I have some great games in uh, in the Sea of Red Stadium, Memorial Stadium, but that was one that uh, I never, never ever forget. Well, everybody's going to get a chance to listen to it tomorrow night uh, during Sports Nightly's time slot and listen back to that 88 game. And, yeah, you're right, just the names that people are going to hear out there from both sides of the yeah. football. Cowboys are really good, but, boy, Nebraska just punched them in the, in the nose of that first quarter and uh, go back yeah. and listen to that. There have been some highlights today on Twitter. Your, your Twitter feed's probably blowing up today. I know. Why are they doing that to me, Sharpie? I can hardly roll out of bed right now. <laughs> and, uh, and my daughter actually said, Dad, you were really fast. <laughs> like, believe it or not, your dad was one of the fastest quarterbacks in Nebraska history. They wouldn't know it now, you know. But uh, when I look at that, I kind of surprised myself that I kind of had a, a little jet, you know, some jets in me. But uh, when people are chasing, you got you to run it. You got to make things happen. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was just a phenomenal day. I saw one one guy on Twitter say, "You think he's fast playing football? You got to watch him playing golf. He plays fast playing (laughs) golf. Is that is that true? You don't don't get on the clock? No, no. We uh, and I walk. You know, and I I this has really been the last two years have been tough for me because I used to walk two or three or four days in a row and carry my clubs. And I told my wife I came home the other day and I said, I'm I'm just over the hill. I said I just I can't. It's tough for me to golf three days in a row and walk." I'm going to have to get in the cart, you know? So, yeah, I mean, father time, like they say, is undefeated. But uh, you appreciate those days and those throwback Thursdays or something when you see you can see what we did and how we can move around and that kind of stuff because just don't move as fast anymore, Sharpie. Just don't move well, as fast anymore. I, I hear you, brother. I hear you. Well, tomorrow night, everybody's going to have a good time listening back to that 88 game and hear you and Ken Clark just go wild on that Cowboy defense. Imagine how tough it's got to be for the current team, Steve. They should be right in the height of spring practice right now, and no spring football. It's oh, going to be tough on those guys. You know, I feel for them. I told my wife, I said, what do you do? How do you stay in shape? You know, uh, it's just unbelievable the times that we're going through. And, you know, and hopefully hopefully we'll have football, NC2A football this year. I, I think I, I'm just hoping we do. Uh, but I just can't imagine what it would be like to be a current player and not to be on, not even to be on the campus. You can't work out. You really realize how much of a social being the humans really are. And uh, I miss that terribly. So I can only imagine what those kids are going through. And, you know, everyone's, everyone's going through the same thing, obviously, but it's just, it's unprecedented. And um, I, I would have no idea how you would mentally and physically prepare for such a thing. Did you were you a fan of spring football? What was what were your springs like? Your experience in your playing days? You know, I I actually enjoyed spring. My first year was probably my toughest year because that's when I was really battling for the job and and uh, every every play, every snap was was crucial. Every grade, everything you did was you're being judged and and and, uh, and 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 critiqued and and I was trying to win a job. So after I did that and had my sophomore year, I fortunately for me, I didn't have to compete for my job in the spring. So for me, it was a little bit more relaxed. You know, you can just kind of sit back and do what you need to do and watch the other guys beat each other up and, and go through all the stresses that I, that I went through the year before, but it was really just a great time to kind of own your skills and, and get better and work on some little things. And, and that's what I did. And uh, I learned like the, the key plays, how to kick it out, how to set it up more, how to be patient with it. Those little bitty things that you can do in the spring that will carry over into the fall. And, and that's what I t- that's what I learned, uh, and, and that's how valuable spring football is. So, And they're going to miss all that because just evaluating them and seeing things develop and having a year or two on your belt, you can really be patient and, 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 and just tone your, tone your skills. And, and uh, Martinez and those guys won't have a chance to do that this year. You know, So uh, that's what's really tough. It definitely will hurt the development of some players. No question Did about you- that. Did you do much one versus ones in your spring practices? We did. We did. I mean, at that time, our spring practices were you know, we killed each other. And uh, ones went against ones. i never forget that when, when McCather and Clayton and, and Broderick Thomas got into it and Broderick hit him and he fumbled, you know. And, and uh, you, can just, you can just hear the silence in the, in, the, in, the, in the stadium because it was a huge deal. It was a big deal because defense want to prove themselves and offensively we want to prove ourselves and everything. So, it was it was no love loss, let me tell you. And uh, and many teams before and after me can can attest to that. Um, things are a little bit different now, but uh, yeah, ones went against ones. We had at least a scrimmage or two uh, per week where we went against the ones. There's no question about that. And that made you better. That made you better. And um, I think that's why we we were as successful as we were, or all Nebraska teams were as successful as they were. 
because of what we did in the spring. Some of we're just talking with you down through the years. It seems like some of your better friends were on the defensive side of the ball. How'd that happen? Were you just trying to butter those guys up so they wouldn't hit you hard, or what? You know, it's just fate. It's just fate. <laughs> when Broderick and I came in together, and uh, Marvin Sanders was, was supposed to be my roommate, and and for some reason something got mixed up in the dorms where we got separated. And we weren't. I didn't have a roommate, and for some reason Broderick didn't have a roommate. And then I couldn't believe Broderick asked me to be roommates, <laughs> you know. And uh, so we roomed together. And so Broderick hung out with Neil Smith and, and Lawrence Pete and all those guys. So they were over constantly. And, you know, I do kind of have a little edge to me, Sharpie, you know. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I kind of like those guys. And, and they respected me. And they kind of accepted me. And I, that was cool, you know, because I wasn't a softie. I kind of had this edge to me. And, um, you know, it just worked out that way. And I still got really good friends like Henley Hawkins, Richard Bell, and Kenny Clark. And, you know, Cleet Blakeman was one of my best best friends, too. You know, but I did hang around a lot of defensive players. I just – I, I kind of liked their toughness. I liked their – I liked I liked, I liked their tenacity. And I was I was kind of always, always appealed to that. Very good. Well, we appreciate you going down memory lane with us tonight. Glad to hear that you're healthy. Sounds like the golf game's in good shape. So life is pretty good for Steve Tater, it sounds like. Life is good. Real estate's good. I'm building houses now and all that stuff. So that's going well and still listening and selling. And, uh, you know, I, I've truly been blessed. Uh, when people ask me, you know, are you happy? And I say, you know, I really am. I'm only short about two MVPs for the Super Bowl and a couple of Super Bowl rings. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I've pretty much done everything I wanted to do, you know. But, yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to have a good career after football and and did some good things planned. So it's all in its proper space now, and, and you appreciate it. You know, it's been 30-something years, and it's still showing some game tape. So I must have done something, uh, you know, and, and I had a lot of help along the way, obviously. So it's a good time. Very good. Well, Steve, we appreciate it. We're, we encourage everybody to listen tomorrow night to that 88 game with the Huskers and Cowboys. Let's get this virus behind us. Can't wait for some more Big Red reactions with you coming up in the fall. Yes, everyone stay safe and cleanse and, and social distance and do all those things so we can have some Husker football this year. Absolutely. Good stuff. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you, my man. Here we are, hour number two on Sports Alley on a Thursday night. Coming up this hour, Teddy Greenstein makes his weekly appearance with us from the Windy City. We'll have seven on seven, and we'll wrap up the hour with our pick flicks of the week. What have we been watching? What do we recommend people to go check out? Uh, so should we have some fun with that coming up in the hour? Right now, though, let's get it started and cranked up with Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate. But his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, normally on this Thursday, this week, you're in Augusta, Georgia. Are you having some shakes not being down there? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it struck me Monday morning, <laughs> Jason Sobel, who is uh, one of the best golf writers out there, uh, his tweet was just Masters Week uh, with, I think, uh, a tearful emoji, and I could, and I could definitely relate. Um, you know, college football is my favorite thing to cover, my favorite sport, sport. Uh, but the Masters is far and away my favorite event. I always tell people, if you ever have a chance to go, go. I'm sorry if your family is going to be mad at you. If you have to make up an excuse <laughs> with your boss, whatever, don't blow it. Um, and I feel that way you know, more than ever now. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can pull it off in November, if they can have a November, November Masters and how people would respond. Would they be less into it because it's football season or would people – people be more into it because it's probably the only one that'll ever be like that. Talk about a tradition unlike any other. So uh, for now, let's just hope, uh, let's just hope it happens. You took your readers kind of down memory lane today, maybe even yourself going back and reliving some great master moments. Let us in on some of that. Yeah, I should, uh, I should call this up while we're talking, but um, you know, some of my, my choices. So, so I've covered, so I've covered 11 masters. Uh, so I came up with the number 11 in, in terms of memories, and, and some of them are, are obvious. I mean, last year, Tiger winning. Now, the strange thing for me was I went out to the 18th green right after he teed off on 17. I thought, okay, cool, I'll get my good spot. Of course, it felt like there were about, about 20,000 people surrounding green. Fortunately, being 6'2", I was able to see a little something, but not much. 
So I was kind of interviewing people around there, and I found a guy, um, a father-son, wearing tiger, tiger gear. And as they put it, they're like, well, we won't be able to see it, but at least we can hear it. <laughs> so that's what they were settling <laughs> for. So I didn't get to see uh, Tiger hug his son, Charlie. Um, but seeing it on the replay was great. But then, but then there, you know, certainly more personal memories that I have, like the moment I won the media lottery, lottery and found that I'd be able to play on the Monday after in 2010 with the Sunday pins. And it was, and it was funny for me because um, I called my sports editor at the time, Mike Kellums. And I said, hey, uh, sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it back uh, till Tuesday. You know, great news. I won the lottery. And he said, oh, no, we, we need you back Monday because it's the Cubs home over. <laughs> so I said, well, <laughs> can you make an exception? I really have to say. He said, oh, no, we need you back. And as he's saying that, I'm looking around the room and Gene Wojciechowski from ESPN and Rick Morrissey of the Sun-Times are cracking up because they uh, called my editor first and, and put him up put him up to that. So uh, after a couple minutes of this, Mike said, yeah, enjoy play well on Monday and uh, give us a column about it. Oh, that's fantastic. Teddy Greenstein's with us. We have him with us every Thursday. Now, you alluded to it earlier. The PGA came out earlier this week with kind of a new schedule for this year, the U.S. Open in, in uh, September, the PGA in August. Are you encouraged that maybe we'll actually see some golf before this year gets over? I, I, I am encouraged. Um, I feel like we're starting to flatten the curve or at least bend the curve a little bit. You know, I think a lot of the baseball talk is really intriguing. And the fact that they're even talking about possibly being able to play play games, I think May is impossible. But if it were June or July, I think that would, you know, mark something strong. I mean, we've seen now in South Korea that they're getting back to baseball, albeit wearing masks. You know, the fascinating thing with golf is if you could only do it without fans, would you still do it? Um, so we have an event out in Chicago this year. Uh, the BMW Championship is part of the FedEx Playoff, playoffs, and I asked the tournament director, you know, basically like what percentage of your income comes from fans, chalets, uh, you know, merchandise, food, all that. And I think it's probably about, about 40%. So it, does it still make sense to stage it where you're still given a full purse if, if you're getting hacked 40% on the revenues? And he said, we haven't decided that yet. So that's going to be fascinating. But in terms of a sport that's logical, that seems – kind of safe. I mean, you think about tennis where you could just have a couple competitors out there, uh, some ball, ball kids, um, you know, an umpire, maybe the rest of the, the, the uh, line calls are by, by computer and golf, um, obviously outdoors, uh, a couple competitors, people can be spaced out. So I am going to be optimistic and, uh, you know, that the, the masters doesn't do anything, um, randomly. It's so fascinating they chose that date. I was, I was really worried, Greg, that uh, it was going to fall on that Saturday, November 7th. November 7th, as you probably know, is Clemson, their name. And it's also Northwestern Wisconsin football at Wrigley Field. Field. So I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to face this, this terrible decision or I'm probably going to miss the Masters. But then the Masters, it turns out, is the following week if it happens. So the fact that they're optimistic enough to pick a date uh, gives me some optimism. All right, you use the word optimistic. Dabo Sweeney, optimistic. We're going to have college yeah. football. Mike Gundy's really optimistic. He thinks May 1st they get their football yeah. staff back together. Brian Kelly, the, the quotable Brian Kelly of Notre Dame, he was pretty bland, but saying, well, we're at halftime of this thing and we got to make adjustments, but we can yeah. get there. Your thoughts about these college football coaches now being pulled into this? I mean, it's hilarious. You know, Dabo with the classic, you know, coachisms that we're going to defeat this. And then Mike Gundy. I mean, I'm not exactly. Not exactly optimistic uh, that he has an IQ in the triple digits because not o not only does he show you know a total a total lack of knowledge about coronavirus, uh, it was just in such poor taste. Um, he, he Oklahoma is like a like a different world. I mean, if that's acceptable to the people there, uh, then you really have to wonder. I know he wins uh, you know two thirds of his games and he's doing a, doing a, a good job as a football coach there in uh, not an easy atmosphere in Stillwater, Oklahoma. But man, he sounded incredible incredibly ignorant and i was just surprised the school would even put him out there i mean what do they think he's going to say during a 50-minute press conference so gundy got absolutely absolutely killed for that one um i think football coaches probably right now should just kind of pipe down and just say uh let's li let's listen to dr fauci let's listen to the people who really know let's keep our social distancing and let's hope uh if this curve starts to flat to flatten middle of april and you know the number of cases really starts to shrink in may 
then I'm going to feel good about this. Then I'm going to feel, going to feel good that, that uh, teams can come back in mid-July. Now, I still have unbelievable doubts that we could see packed stadiums uh, uh, in the fall. I just don't think that's conceivable. But hopefully we can figure out a, a way to play some football because if we can't, uh, forget, forget about us fans. Uh, these athletic departments are going to get crushed. So um, we need college football. football. Yep. No doubt. Well, uh, one thing that's kind of cooking right along is the transfer portal in college basketball. More and more names getting funneled into that. The big kid Harms at Purdue threw his name into it. You've been yeah. there in, you're in your state. Illinois has got a couple young guys who are thinking about jumping into the NBA. You've been, I'm sure, tracking some of that on a daily basis back there. It, it's amazing. It's amazing that Harms still has eligibility. Just it really seems like yeah. he's been there for 12 years. But, you know, Illinois has had a, a brutal offseason off season thus, thus far. Uh, you know, starting with the fact that it didn't get to play a game in the Big Ten tournament, would have made the NCAAs for the first time first time in, I think, eight years. And now uh, really a lot of losses on the roster potentially. So uh, we don't know yet about Io Desumu, but every indication we've heard and I've heard personally is that he's not interested in coming back to Illinois, spent two good seasons there and had a good, certainly a good sophomore year, a lot of good pull-up jumpers. And, you know, he's long, good, he's athletic, good on defense, but they did not as, uh, expect Kofi Coburn, the big 10 freshman of the year, the big man to flee. And that news came out a couple of days ago, even though I, I don't see him having a role in the NBA. I mean, if it was 25 years ago, he'd probably be a top 20 pick, but you know, back to the basket, big man, uh, who's not, you know, a great defender and is probably going to get eaten alive by those uh, athletic bigs in the NBA. I, I don't get that one. Um, and then Alan Griffin, I mean, a guy who really heated late in the season for Illinois because he became a great shooter, one of their top three scoring options. He announced he was going to transfer. That one didn't make much sense. So those are potentially three players, three really core players for Illinois, uh, which makes you wonder. Uh, I mean, Brad Underwood is a very good coach, but this was their year, and is he going to be able to get back to the NCAA tournament and actually play a game in the NCAAs? Very good. Good to catch up with you. What do you you got anything you're working on this week? Got a Passover Seder tonight. We'll we'll start eating some matzah. We'll start doing all that, and uh, and then I talked to Jim Nance today, so we'll, a little bit more about the Masters. Uh, also did a Q and A with Mike Greenberg, uh, obviously the host of Get Up. So we got some of that going. And uh, I'll try to keep some decent stories coming, man. We all we all need to be entertained. Are you going to watch some of this Masters coverage Saturday, Sunday? Jim Nance tells me that he got two-plus hours with Phil Mickelson and two-plus hours with Tiger Woods and that they are both uh, lights out on the telecast. I will be there. I actually watched. They replayed the, the Nicholas's last Masters win the other day on ESPN. I watched a lot of that the other day. It's fun, and I think when you can add, you know, fresh fresh commentary to it, um, Nance said that, like, Tiger's breakdown of what happened on the 12th hole last year on Sunday, which was the turning point in the tournament, tournament uh, is really, really good. So the weather's going to be crummy here in Chicago this weekend, and I'm looking forward to uh, watching some faux Masters coverage. Very good. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you, Greg. Be well. We're back on a Thursday, Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Josh Elkerman's been at the controls and about to welcome on board Brett Whitty as we jump into this week's edition of 7 on 7. It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with 7 on 7 drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the offseason with some 7 on 7 of our own. Seven topics A seven nation army couldn't hold me back. from sports from Manning seven touchdown passes to pop culture. I never joke about my work double seven. It's time to go seven on seven on Sports Nightly. You know, the more times that we do this, the more I'm convincing myself that it is summer. And it's I mean, it feels like it since there's not really much going on in the world of sports and we're, we're doing seven on seven. So it's basically summer right now. It does. Yeah. You're, we, we've kind of gone into summer mode, haven't we? We no sure doubt. have. For every passing week, we're getting closer. We are. Yeah. Pretty soon it actually will be summer. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll maybe start doing this every every single night like we do in the summer. But uh, let's jump into this week's topics. Actually, first, you know what? You should say hi to Brett because he's, he's... Hey, pro- Brett. Hey, guys. He's, he's sitting right, there waiting nice for you guys. Over. Yeah, he's waiting for you guys to say hi to him. So... 
All right. Glad to have you. With with that out of the way, we can jump into our first topic now. Uh, earlier this week, Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo, also known as the Greek Freak, said that he didn't have access to a hoop either in his home. He's, he said he's been working out inside his own home, but since the Bucks practice facility is closed, he doesn't have a way to shoot hoops. So we're going to ask you guys, what's something that people listening would be surprised to find out that you don't own in your home? Hmm. You would think oh, that wow. a, a an NBA player would have a basketball yeah. hoop somewhere, whether it's in his driveway. Right. Or a lot of guys have their own gyms. A lot of guys in the NBA also, have their own gyms. He has two other brothers that are playing the NBA too. Right. Yeah. I borrow a That's ton a of one. stuff from my dad. Um, but nothing like nothing too wild. Um, I mean, I've got TVs. I've got uh, <laughs> I've got uh, internet. I've got <laughs> ben, ben. Do you own any Chiefs gear? We we'd be surprised to know if you own any Chiefs gear yeah. after last night. I do. I do own um, probably the sweetest piece of Chiefs gear between all of us. I'm sure. Yeah. I I agree. I. You know that that that's a good one. Before the Super Bowl, I did not have any Chiefs gear. I went out and got a, a stocking cap for the week, and I've been I was wearing that throughout the winter months. But I didn't have any Chiefs gear before the Super Bowl. Oh, that is a good one. So you're a bandwagon, <laughs> man. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> man. I don't. That's a great question. The. Uh, I guess it's going to turn into the thing I want the most that I don't have. Sure. There you go. Uh, that's a power washer. I really want one of those. All right. Uh, to clean my – and I don't want one of those, like, industrial ones that will strip the paint off your car. Yeah. I want one that could be a dual purpose, uh, garage cleaner, car cleaner, house cleaner, whatever you need it for. That, that, wow. I probably borrow that from my dad the most, so I'll go with that. Yeah. There you go. Good. Yeah, I I feel like the direction that we were going with this was something like you know Ben, since you talk sports. about the yeah something sports wise, you talk about yeah. Kemba Walker all the time or the Office all the time. So like if you didn't have the the full collection of DVDs of the Office, we'd be shocked that that you w- wouldn't have those. So I have been uh, searching for a Kemba Walker jersey from the Hornets, the one that says Buzz City on it on oh, discount uh, for years, but just can't seem to find one. In the price range that I'm comfortable spending. There you go. Yeah, those, yeah, those like authentic it. jerseys can get pricey. All right. All right uh, next topic. Uh, Tiger Woods had to host the annual champions dinner at his home earlier this week. Uh, normally, <laughs> that would be held at Augusta National, but with what's yeah. going on, the honor of hosting uh, the the Masters or the Masters dinner uh, going to Tiger Woods, but he had to do it at his home in Florida instead. Now, you're hosting the quarantine version of the Champions Dinner. What food are you guys going to go with? And then which professional golfer do you invite just to legitimize the whole event? Mm. Well, I, I would be a surf and turf guy. You know, we'd have some steak, maybe some some shrimp. Um, you got to go real fancy here. As of, Oh, yeah. As of yesterday, I'm not going fancy at all, but based on how my dinner tasted last night, I'm going barbacoa tacos. Um, But we can fancy it up. for you, did it? Oh, yeah. And and the wife gave me two thumbs up, which is even better. Usually uh, she gives me one of those, "Eh, it's good, (laughs) which means probably don't make it again. Right. But, yeah, yeah, I got the stamp of approval to throw that in the recipe book. And it's it's super easy to make. So – well, fancied up was like some fresh avocados and some pico de gallo, maybe some homemade salsa. Um, but that's that's what I'm doing. And um, give me like, I heard Spieth is a really fun guy to be around. Uh, we all know what he's like as a competitor. Um, Stoic. I'm between Spieth and Ricky Fowler. All right. For me, I grew up in Kansas City. I, I just idolized Tom Watson growing up. I'd love to have – and plus, he won the Masters twice. So yeah. bring, he could, Perfect. He could bring his green jacket on over for my surf and turf. He dinner. could bring two of them, and you could wear one. <laughs> See, for go. something like I that, would, I, would I would not argue that, that at all. make myself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's good, though. I, I like you guys' answers. You've... You could take 2008 Tiger Woods and have a really good time. <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll move on from that right We're talking now. about dinner. <laughs> dinner. Yeah, there you go. 
All right, uh, moving on to topic number three. There's a, a baseball bat that was used by New York Yankees legend Lou Gehrig. It was sold for a million dollars, actually a little over a million dollars, at auction earlier this week. The bat was used as early as 1922 by Gehrig and had never been sold publicly. It had been moved around privately a little bit, but never publicly. So if you guys were given a blank check to buy any piece of sports memorabilia, what would it oh, be? Oh, wow. What a great That's question. That's awesome. That is awesome. Blank check. What you can a great buy whatever question. you want. Let's. Man. Hmm. It would probably for me be something old time baseball. Whether yeah. it's a guy's spikes, glove. Give me a. Give me like a like a like a Babe Ruth game worn jersey. From like the 27 oh. season, baby, that's awesome. This reminds me of um, David Wells, who bought that Babe Ruth hat for like I don't remember how much he paid for it, but he wore it in a game. Do you remember that? Yeah, he wore that Babe Ruth hat in a game, and Joe Torre made him take it off. <laughs> uh, made him <coughs> made him change hat. He wore yeah. a Babe Ruth hat from the 20s or 30s on his head while he was pitching in a game. That's awesome. Oh, I- I'll be a little different. I would go give me give me some boxing gloves from Muhammad Ooh, Ali. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good one. That's really good. I th- there's so many things out there. I would I would almost want to go like do something in in bulk, like buy somebody's entire collection of something, like a player that I mm. idolize. I, I just don't know who. Like, I haven't. I wrote this question earlier today. And I still haven't come up with an answer because yeah, just it's hard to find a place to start with this. I mean, any any Babe Ruth item, a bat. Yep. Um, spikes, a jersey, a hat. I mean, any of that would just be. I mean, and, and it, it, obviously Babe Ruth's the first one to come to mind. But I mean, any of those, any any of those guys, you yeah. know, or just like Brett. What do you got, man? I want something. I'd want like soccer Messi. ball or something. Yeah, yeah. See, you know, you hit the nail <laughs> on the head. I would want. I would want just a signed Lionel Messi jersey. You know. Yeah, or honestly, uh-huh. I'd rather yeah. have a picture because I'd I'd rather just be able to meet the guy than have a jersey that was randomly signed. What about like like a like a famous ball like the the, the game ball from Ooh, George the handball from Maradona? Like, yeah, yeah. There you go. Like or or the Reggie Jackson's home run ball like in basketball, um, <laughs> you know something like that like a like a the shot heard around the world home run ball or something like that. Yeah. Would be Bobby cool. Thompson's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. The one thing that probably one of the biggest or most expensive pieces of sports memorabilia is a, is a Honus Wagner baseball card. Yeah, there's only there like three or four in existence. Ooh, and yeah. Right. Like the T, what was, yeah. what's it called? The T9? Something like that, yeah. it's like Honus Wagner makes another appearance on Sports Island. Two nights in a row, baby. <laughs> Josh loves Honus Wagner. Josh and I used to play the show all the time. Oh, yeah. And like... Honus Wagner was on our team every time oh, yeah. just because of how awesome he was. <laughs> He's so good. He, he, he was he came before like basically 100 years early. He was way ahead of his time, but he had a, a name that was probably two centuries before uh, when he played. That's a great question. There's so many things. You could so many. That's there's our top 10 topic right there for next week. Top 10 sports items that you would want to have. That's, Love it. Oh. I mean, you could yeah. fill that up in a hurry. Love it. Sure could. All right, uh a little non-sports topic here. A couple different zoos in the U.S. Uh, shared images this week of newborn animals being born uh, in zoos. Uh, one of them included two highly endangered clouded leopard cubs being born at the Miami Zoo. So uh, keeping that in mind and keeping uh, Tiger King in mind here, what do you guys think is the cutest baby animal and and and, and uh, which one would you want? I mean, those tiger cubs are pretty freaking cute um give me like a baby bangle. monkey though like it's hard to beat like oh, yeah. baby monkeys and diapers are like hard to beat <laughs> you ever, like, we always go to the zoo and pop by the nursery and see if anything was in there uh the henry dorley zoo here in yeah. omaha and just pop in there and see if there are any any babies in there yeah give me a monkey i like it all right i'm gonna all go right. a little bit more kind of a wild uh, uh, a little baby deer and oh. then the, how they try to baby stand yeah. up you know and their legs yes. are so sp- so thin. That's a good one, Greg. I like that. Your kids be able to get play up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. I think I go to Nebraska just... goes out and blasts him ten years later. Well, I know, man. <laughs> man. Wait, Brett, there he is again, bringing us down, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? 
it's hurtful to Greg. I'll, I'll just say that. All yep. Right. I'm still a little upset about Famous Dave's face off. So, <laughs> like, it, there's just no like, there's no surprise. Brett that there's missed some that venom fun last night. Oh, Brett. I Brett oh, there's a public clip gotta, of it. He I, could go watch it. Yeah. No, I listen. I listen. You can't. It's can't miss radio every single night on Famous Dave's Face Off every week, Wednesdays at 7:05. All right, let's keep things moving here. Topic number five. Uh, earlier this week, the NBA and ESPN announced plans to televise a live game of horse between some NBA stars, former NBA players, and some WNBA players as well. The first round will air this Sunday from six to eight Central Time on ESPN, with the semifinals and championship taking place. April 16th, which is a week from today, from 8 to 10 p.m. So some of the headliners uh, taking part of this are Chris Paul, Trey Young, Zach Levine, and then Tamika Catchings as well. So if you guys could pick three players, you know, you can combine current or former to participate in this, who would they be? Oh, I got two right off the bat. Larry Bird and Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller, there you go. I would love those two guys. And so I got to get a third one. Yep. Give me the Mamba. All right. Oh, I like hit, hit the clutch shot. I like that. That's All right, give me line. Kemba. Give me really <laughs> no naturally. <laughs> naturally. Give me, give me Steph Curry. Yeah. Um. I want an I want an oldie in there. Mm. Give me um. Reggie Miller's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me give me a guy like uh, Bill Lambeer just so he could lose. <laughs> Bill Lambeer, he can't shoot. That's exactly. Be, I want to watch him lose. Some, just for the entertainment value is what you're saying. Yeah. What, I, about, uh, what about like a Ray Allen? Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. What that's about a really uh, good one. Pistol Pete Maravich? Yeah, yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> he can't shoot either. <laughs> he can do He just can do hook shots. Hook. Just, just hook shot hook. from half court. It's all he needs. Jerry West. Jerry, Jerry West would have been a good one. Ooh, yeah, yeah. A little I, Bob Cousy. We're gonna put a Twitter poll out, and it, it's gonna be hard to leave any. Steve guys Kerr, here, but yeah, there you go. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah, he was good, a good shooter. One. That's a really good one. Like it. That, this is right. good. We'll we'll put out the poll right now and, and see what people think. Yeah, those are good teams. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what this looks like and if it's if it's actually something compelling to watch. You know, people think it's like easy to play horse. By the way, like. Oh, you know, so there's going to be some luck involved. I played Brandon Ubell, Josh can attest yep. to this, in two games of horse in college, thinking I would at least, you know, get a letter. He just smashed me. Yep. Like, I, and, you got one. I even, I even outlawed dunks. Yeah. But, like, every good shot I made, he I made a half he quarter, and he answered it. He answered like, it. Oh, wow. It, yeah. Like, I just couldn't do it. I could not that get a letter hurts. on The great thing about that is this this is on, on YouTube. Out, it's yeah. out there. You can go watch uh, it. Yeah, we'd have to go find it, but it's it's on there. Yeah, that was just embarrassing. Yep. I'll take my three-man team against anybody right, right. there. Yeah, no, yeah, that's not that's not bad at all. All right, uh, a local restaurant in uh, Buffalo, New York, called Stack Burger, recently named Burger after their newly acquired receiver, Stefan Diggs. Uh, the four-patty burger is called Can You Diggs It? Each patty has some <laughs> different ingredients and toppings. So uh, what food item would you guys want named after you? And then uh, is there a clever name that you could think of to call it? I got Ben's right now. It'd be some kind of wings. Like a Big Mac? Would it make it a burger? No. I think it'd be like some some wings for you. Yeah. You said what kind of food? Yeah, I could do that. I was thinking like a big chunk of steak. Like you could, you know, find maybe like you could do like a ribeye with a hole in it and put a filet in the middle, something like that. That's pretty okay. good. It's That's solid. solid. You'd have to call yours the Sharpie, right, Greg? Yeah, and and I'm I would I'm gonna go with a stuffed pork chop. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like ben it. knows I, there's a place in Minneapolis that I love going to for the pork chop. So give me a yeah, stuffed. You, pork you also chop. like to chop at our spot in Chicago too. Nice. Yes, I do. Yep, love it. By the way, Stefan Diggs, he hasn't even played a game for the Bills yet. He was signed less than a, or a month ago, and he's already getting a burger named after him in Buffalo. Yeah. It's crazy. Boring yeah, times in a, Buffalo. Yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's uh, go to our last topic now. A, a couple months ago, Motorola unveiled an updated version of the Razer, the popular flip phone from, oh, about 15 years ago. Had one. Yep. The newer version has a <laughs> touchscreen, and it still folds in half, but it's a little bit pricier than the original model, going for about $1,500. So uh, what? what's an older piece of technology that you miss using, something that you're nostalgic oh. and would want to go back and use? I, I said this to my daughters the other day. I miss my BlackBerry. 
I loved having the little type board thing. Yeah. Yeah. Type. I, I, I missed that. Yeah. I was so fast on that deal. I got so fast on those. I'll tell you what. Do you guys remember T9 texting on oh, yeah. razors? Oh, yeah. I was a beast on that. Like, it was so <laughs> confusing at first how to do it. But once you figured it out, it what was, was like. It's a, it's a very interesting way to, like, it would, like, kind of memorize words that you would text. Oh, and so, yeah, like, yeah. you went. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but once you figured it out, like you're no, no, no. I, I remember what you mean. I had like a, I had a slim razor. It was my first phone ever. So honestly, like this is kind of a, a cop out. But I talked about when we did our top ten list, watching this game, uh, the Fiesta Bowl on VHS. And so I'm just gonna say an old, good old fashioned VCR, just because yeah. of all the yeah. games and yeah. stuff that I would tape on those yeah. black VHS tapes and popping those things in and rewinding it all the sure. time. Mm-hmm. So give me a give me a, I'll do a V eight a VCR, but also the, the old fashioned Nintendo, the first Nintendo. Yeah, I yeah. I figured that's where you were gonna go. Ben was the second one. V- Those are the first two. The that VCR came is good though, because that just brings back so many memories of, of watching stuff and yeah. you know I'd, the rewinding and hearing it click and be ready to play again. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well done. You guys had good topics tonight. Yeah, well done. Excellent. This is what happens when we bring in Brett on 7-on-7. He's so enthusiastic. He just (laughs) just just brings the energy. Yeah, he brings the thunder every night. (laughs) I I feel like we're being facetious here, but, you know, we're just going to roll with it. (laughs) No way. Uh, Take your compliments as I give them. Just ask Tim. Well done. If you have some thoughts about our our 7-on-7 topics, love to hear them. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Back with that next. No sports on this weekend? We've got you covered. I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them. Time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! Here we are, this part of the week to get you caught up on maybe something you might want to take in over the weekend. And Ben, lead us off. Yeah, I uh, mentioned last week at this time I wanted to watch The Patriot uh, by Mel Gibson. Not by Mel Gibson, in it. Um, and uh, watched it, put out a tweet about it. What a great movie. <laughs> I mean, you, you just have to go watch it. It's just so good. so good. Gets you fired up, gets your blood pumping. Speaking of blood, there's a lot of it in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're squeamish, maybe not for you. <laughs> Um, and this isn't meant to any disrespect to, t- to Tim, and it's kind of <laughs> ironic that it's on my list now, but I got Moneyball on my list to watch. I usually watch it about about the start of every baseball season. I, one of my favorite movie scenes is when they're in there wheeling and dealing on trades on the trade deadline. Uh, I saw it on a, on a, uh, a movie list, like on Twitter the other day. I'm like, yep, it's about time, about time to throw that in and watch it. So I've got Moneyball, and the, and the show that, that I've got on the docket next is one I've been meaning to watch for years, uh, and it's now on Netflix, is Designated Survivor. Uh, have not watched it yet. I heard good things early on. I heard it kind of gets worn out towards the end, but ready to give it a shot. Yep, I, I've watched that. I've yeah. not seen it since they released it on Netflix those yep. seasons, but the first couple were really good. Yeah, I, I've watched it as well, and it, it the first season is really good. It does kind of go downhill after that. They kind of run out of storylines, and when it goes to Netflix, it really changes because they go from being oh, yeah. on, on network TV to <laughs> yeah. having any... Language. Any, yep, exactly. So... Yeah, that's not a bad show to watch either. Uh, up next, I I have uh, I told you guys last week I started watching Ozark. That's solid. We're almost through season one of that. Have a couple more seasons to go, but we're doing we're going Great through show. that. Yep, it's solid. Um, and looking ahead to the weekend, I we are going to try to knock out a couple movies. We have a list of movies that we haven't watched together either. Victoria or I haven't. One of us hasn't watched them, and so there's some sports ones on there that I have, including Rudy. So she hasn't seen that, wow. and oh, so yeah. we're gonna wow. we're gonna knock that out this weekend. Another one that we might watch too is is Parasite that just got put on on Hulu, and it's you know the won a bunch of Oscars a, a couple of months ago, and so we're we're thinking about maybe watching that one too. Good, give me your right. endorsement. I'll throw it on the list if it's All right. good. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, last week I talked about uh, Community and. I did watch that. I'm three seasons in. It's a really good show for when you have other things to do. And that's not to slight the show. It's just it's good background noise. But you can also watch it and, and think that it's funny. The it's one that I'm like watching. Ozark where you need to pick up every detail. No, yeah. Like Ozark, you can't miss a scene or else you're, you're out of <laughs> True. it. 
But the, the one that I'm watching more attentively, I guess, would be How to Fix a Drug Scandal. That's a Netflix docu-series. It's pretty good. It's got, it's about like two uh, pharmacists that kind of do some shady stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm always into the sports documentaries, and I saw a really good one over the weekend. It's called Against the Tide. It's about the 1970 matchup in college football between Alabama and USC. At that time, Alabama was still a segregated football Mm. team, and Bear Bryant and John McKay, the head coach at USC, were good buddies. Bryant said, would you come play us in Birmingham? And they did, and they came down there, and they rocked Alabama. They had uh, Sam Bam Cunningham was their key running back and they just destroyed the crimson tide and really helped get segre- get uh, get rid of segregation in the south for college football in the sec so it was a really good documentary and on netflix i started watching schitt's creek man is that thing funny i'm like five episodes into it really funny i've not watched it I, but yeah we uh we made it through all but the most recent season and that yeah it's solid good stuff it's it's funny all right good work boys well done there those are our Picks for the week, our flick picks for the week. Our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Thanks to Ben and Josh and Brett for being a part of this segment. What a good hour here on Sports Highly. Always fun to hear from Teddy. We had a good time tonight with our 7-on-7 as well. Another hour of Sports Highly on the other side. Come on back. <laughs> 